Just remember, there's a special place in hell for women who don't help each other. Welcome to A Special Place in Hell, the podcast where an aging Gen X author and a self-hating millennial activist come together to thoroughly and conclusively solve our culture war problems with our combined wit, wisdom, and most importantly, lived experiences. I am the aging Gen X author, Megan Daum, Megan Dom, not sure. And with me is the self-hating millennial, Sarah Hader. Hi, Sarah. I'm the one with the sexy voice this week. Yeah. So I hope you can, nice. Hope you can bear with me. Yeah. I've been talking a lot. I've been on a talking in, vacation. In your retreat. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just back from Vermont. So uh, we had the first official unspeakeasy retreat uh, this past weekend. And uh, it was great. It was amazing. It, it's uh, it's it, they're they're totally off the record. Uh, oh, so you're not allowed I, to tell us. I can't I can't tell you very much, but I can mm. tell you that um, we had I think we had nine or ten of us uh, got together and women from kind of all different sort of professional backgrounds and areas of interest, wide range of ages. Um, you know, someone in her mid twenties all the way up to. Um, you know, people even older than me. And wow. we just taught, we just spent four days talking about the way the, the, the way the culture wars have affected our professional lives and our personal lives and our friendships and our relationships. And um, it was really good. It was, it was fascinating and um, it was incredibly fun. It was really, it was actually, it was, it was really moving and it was a huge success. So I'm happy about that. That's so exciting. Well, when are you opening them up for up up to men? To up to men. Um, <laughs> yeah, we talked about that a lot. Um, I don't think ever. I think maybe never. Um, okay. Well, well, yeah. then that's that'll be that could be my thing. I will start. Yeah, a you men's should do one only. that's only, only men, <laughs> except for me. I'm the yeah. Um, I'm the exception. Um, and it'll be a, a nice like spa retreats for men to be men. Oh yeah. So, what and, kinds and of things for... would you have them do? Like shoot, shoot guns. <laughs> shoot guns. It'll. We'll have shop class. Um, we will. Uh, what do men do, Megan? Well, when they go on retreats, they like to bang on things and then shout out into the forest and then cry. <laughs> is my understanding. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, I bet we could take drugs. I bet. They oh would enjoy yeah, that. I bet that they're would be gonna. Fun. Yes, they're gonna. They're, yeah, they're gonna want to do psychedelics. Yeah, we didn't. Yeah, have yeah, 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 that. yeah. That could be yeah. great. Okay, I'll do that. Okay, you tell me in the it. comments if our if you guys are interested, and I'm I'm doing this. I'm I'm gonna host this. And where you think it should be? Because we, it's you know, part of this. It's very difficult because you have to find a lovely retreat setting. We had a beautiful retreat setting, and uh, we just. We sat around. It was. Oh, it was Vermont this, must be so nice. This yeah, time. the the it was, it was amazing because it felt like the leaves were just turning. Like one day, the leaves looked one way, and the next day, they were they were turned. Aww. Like you could see you could see it <laughs> happening. I mean, not all together. It's still a little early, but um, absolutely gorgeous and and beautiful weather. And uh, yeah, and it's just you know it's it's really interesting because. You know, we don't, people just, there's all kinds of different things. You know, we talked, you know, for instance, we had a really long conversation about what kind of woman it will take to become the first female president 
of the U.S. Mm. Mm. Um, you know, so there were a couple of people who were involved in politics and uh, we, we talked a lot about that. And, you know, we disagreed about a lot of stuff. There was, you know, pretty, you know, wide ranging political spectrum. I mean, most people were heterodox for sure, but mm -hmm. um, it was by no means like a, it, it wasn't just like some bitch session where we complained about, where we complained Although about Although those gender. are great. Yeah. yeah. If I, but... if I was going to have one where we only talked about gender for four days, I could charge a million dollars per person <laughs> Yeah, and it would sell out in five minutes. So that's going to be my next project. Okay. Um, cool. Yeah. So, um, and anyway, so yeah, so there's another one coming up uh, outside of New York city in a few weeks. I think it's basically sold out. And then uh, next year I'm going to try to do, I'm going to do a bunch. So I'm working on kind of getting that organized. So if anybody is interested in an unspeakeasy retreat, uh, just go to the unspeakeasy.com and get on the mailing list. These things are totally off the record. There's no tweeting. There's no talking about it. There's no, I'm not going to be publicizing it beyond talking about it here a little bit. So it's, it's a true, it's a true, uh, speakeasy, unspeakeasy. So there you go. Um, well, that, um, yeah, that sounds so nice. I'm, it I'm was. jealous. You had a wonderful weekend. I didn't. Yeah. But what did you do? Um, everybody was barfing in the house. <laughs> Uh, See, but this will be good. For your, this will be plan. good for your men's retreat. You, th now you can lead an ayahuasca <laughs> retreat, and everybody's okay, barfing. And everybody's bar. Okay. And, you'll, you'll, and I have experience already, with barfing yeah, and cleaning it up. Guide. You will guide them through it. Yeah, just like you do with your family. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> How do you know your kids aren't barfing because they did ayahuasca at preschool? I, you know, I don't know, and I, I, uh, it's, it's entirely possible, but. Um, then I barfed. So everybody's barfing mm -hmm. together. Um, uh, <laughs> well, that's very trad. <laughs> it was trad. It was a family, um, it was a family uh, activity and we all came together and learned yes. a lot about each other's <laughs> bodily smells. <laughs> oh, nice. Okay. All right. Very, all right. I'm not going to gross people. <laughs> okay. We'll save this for the bonus. We'll give you yeah, even yeah. more of that. Um, okay. Well, what are we going to cover this week? Uh, fun stuff from Twitter we can start with. There was a, <laughs> there's so much fodder on Twitter and I don't even go on that much anymore. Um, but I, but there's always something there. Um, this time there was a tweet that went viral yesterday. So we're recording on the 30th. This, it went viral yesterday. Um, from a woman whose name I'm not going to try to pronounce because, um, her whole gripe is that people don't know how to pronounce her name. Mm -hmm. Um, or she gets, they get mispronounced all the time. And, uh, so she, she gives advice. Uh, <clears throat> so I'll read some of it. She says, it might seem like a small thing, but in fact, when others continuously mispronounce someone's name or assign a nickname for their own ease, it's considered a name based microaggression. Wow. And like all microaggressions, this can take a toll on your self-esteem, making you feel devalued or unworthy or like you need to compromise parts of yourself. Our names are an extension of our identities and root us in our family, cultures, and histories. For many, they serve as a core representation of where we're from. Names hold meaning, pride, strength, courage, and they deserve to be honored. It might not be purposeful for others to mispronounce your name. It can take time and practice to say words and names that are not used in someone's native language. Anyway, um, what do you do when non-confrontational approaches or gentle reminders don't work? She suggests having direct 
conversation and just uh, like having like a talk about it, I guess. Like, um, I, like I can't, I, I, I have noticed, I can't help but have noticed that you pronounce my name incorrectly. Mispronounce your name. Yeah. Mis- and it's, yeah. um, and just have a heart to heart about it. Mm-hmm. And there's, she writes down scripts for starting points. Oh. Um, so she even, she just, here's one script. I wanted to take a second to chat with you because you're still incorrectly saying my name. This makes me feel disrespected, Megan. And I was wondering if you could take Actually, some it's time. Megan. It's Megan. It's <laughs> and I was wondering if you could take some time to practice it so you can get the pronunciation correct. Anyway, so she has like a couple of these. Oh, she's gonna go over it with you. But uh, yeah, yeah. So she, she shouldn't like have to she shouldn't have to educate us though. So well, she's educating you gotta other, give her that. She's educating microaggressed name minorities. So it's okay. You know, okay. she's not educating you. She's giving advice to people who oh, have I see, their I names see. mispronounced yes, all the right. time. Yes. Okay. Okay. Um so this is allowed. Oh. Um, but she's still asking them to educate the more privileged people who mm-hmm, are mm-hmm. mispronouncing their names. Presume because presumably anybody who pr- mispronounces a name has more privilege than the mm-hmm. person with the unusual mm-hmm. name. Mispronouncing or misspelling, actually. Both oh, are yeah. name based yeah. microaggressions. Um and she you know she it, it, she said, note, I have had to do this myself with when colleagues and professors have repeatedly, not just once, mispronounced my name, leaving me to feel devalued and honestly speechless in the moment. Um, that's a good, I think that's a good way for her to be. <laughs> she suggests bringing in a third party, like oh, some help. Like, a, um, like from an someone HR who, person? <laughs> yeah. From someone who holds power and privilege. Oh. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, it, it, well, if if no 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 I misread that she said if the constant mispronunciations for someone is from someone who holds power and privilege then you you bring in a third party and you even up your odds together you have more power I guess. Um, what okay do and, we know this person's name Are you able to yeah, even try uh, to pronounce it What like I'm what not gonna, I'm not Where try. is she from She's that's Indian, very racist I'm sure she's okay. she's she's from she's South Asian for sure It's Sahaj Kaur Kohli But here's the thing about Indian languages There's so many. And I, I'm, I'm very Americanized anyway. So like I could never, it, it, it's, it's hard for me to get certain Indian languages pronunciations exactly correct. But mm-hmm. yeah, uh, I, I speak Urdu, which is basically the same as Hindi. Mm-hmm. It's like, they're almost like different dialects uh, in, rather than different languages. They do have different scripts. So though they're written in oh not scripts for telling people how to (laughs) no no but anyway i i i wouldn't uh dare try to pronounce this person's name so what do you think about this megan well look as somebody who has a confusing name um i uh i guess i have to agree with her i didn't i didn't realize how microaggressed i was all this time but now i'm 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 leaning into my marginalized state and it feels pretty good. Really oh, so does. this is what's interesting is that anyone. This is not like race based. So this is a this is a form of a microaggression you can own. Yeah. Yes. I'm surprised that we don't see people purposely changing their names to unpronounceable names so that they can then have victim status. That's mm. going to be the next thing. Mm. Yeah. So yeah. So my thing with my name. I, this this really kills me. I mean, first of all, the when people ask me for advice, like anybody young starting out, if, if they're going to have any kind of forward-facing career, I tell them, if you don't like your name, change it. Change it now. 
Mm. change it before you've done anything because I really regret not changing my last name to just (coughs) something simpler. I mean, it's not that it's so complicated. It's four letters. It's German. It comes from Daumen or Daumen, which means thumb. So (laughs) I don't know what that's about. But um, yeah, so basically... I think I said this before, maybe, but I'll just do it really quickly. So I gr- grew up saying Daum, uh, and people always said Dom, and we were just constantly correcting them in my family, like my parents and my brother and me. Like we were, my, my parents totally distanced themselves from their relatives. So we were just like this little island of four people. We had no connect, we had no like relationship to any of our <laughs> relatives. And so go through life, correct, you know, say, no, it's Daum. And then at a certain point, my, I don't know, I, in my 20s I or 30, I just stopped correcting people. That was kind of the first step. And then I think I, maybe around my late 30s, mid to late 30s, I just started saying Dom. And the reason was that I did have some conversation with my cousins. I mean, I do have cousins and aunts and uncles and stuff. They they exist or the ones that are st- the ones that are still alive exist. A pretty big family, actually. We just didn't really have any relationship with them. But I learned that they all said Dom and that Mm. the whole family said Dom and that the reason my parents said Dom was when they were first married, they uh, ran into some German professor somewhere like from Germany. And he said, oh, your name's not Dom, it's Dom. That's what it should be. And they were so desperate to kind of strive above their their origins that they started saying Dom, even though I guess my father had grown up saying Dom. I don't know. And I found this out much later. <laughs> so I just started saying Dom. And uh, that was that. And pretty much, like basically people who knew me in my 20s, up to my 20s, say Dom. The people who knew me like maybe, <laughs> maybe like 33 and above say dom and then when i started doing the podcast two years ago i had to say my name out loud all the time and i avoid saying my name i I avoid saying my last name all the time i just don't like it i i will do anything to just not say it but i had to say it all the time and my father died in late 2018 and so it was you know pretty fresh off of his death like a year and a half or so and i just like opened my mouth to say Megan Dom and it I felt so guilty about it like I felt like I was betraying my father so I started saying Dom and now it's like fuck like such a mess like I just so now I say Dom whenever I start the podcast but it's totally confusing and mostly I'm just so angry at myself that I didn't change my name when I had a chance. I have I, I have so many fantasy last names for myself. Like I go back, I think, oh, I, I should have changed it to this or that or like you know, what? Before I, oh, gosh. Something that would be alliterative. Like I think Megan Thumb. Thumb. Megan Thumb. Yeah, just just cut <laughs> to the chase. Thumb. Yeah. Um, like Montgomery, like actually the names, um, on my mother's side are like pretty, even though they were, were not waspy, we were like, it's like hillbilly stock, but the names are kind of genteel, like Brooks and Montgomery and that kind of thing. So I could have, I could have done that. Or I was thought about just something just taken out. Like I always wanted to be called Megan St. Mark's. Like I like I like those kinds of names, like St. Mark's Place or something. I don't know, but I know I wouldn't have had the hubris at the time. I, I definitely would have been like, "Oh, that's ridiculous. Who am I to change my name?" Uh, but I really, 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 really wish I had. Yeah, or if you're just, I mean, not just writer, but any kind of public, any kind of public figure of any, you're starting a podcast, you're 
you're you're you're wanting to be more active even on on, on social media and you want to be known as somebody um just change change your name and people will just get used to it i know people because, who, oh you mean they mid just go career? by like they not change. mid-career beginning no, beginning no yeah yeah, yeah. um yeah well, simple na- having a simple name is a privilege. I actually did see this come up one time in the privilege discourse. If you have an easily understandable, pronounceable, spellable name, that puts you in a position of privilege over somebody who doesn't. I, I think that's true. I think that is true. Yeah. So it, it the, the, there have been some studies, and I don't want to. I don't want to be like quoting studies because I don't. I'm so illiterate when it comes to <laughs> what makes for a good study and what doesn't. Um, Twitter polls but are the Twitter po- only accurate yes, kind. Yes, um, but uh, it, 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 I think they're that they have found um, repeatedly. Like this finding is 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 more concrete than some of the some of the other ones. That if if you do have a hard to pronounce name, then people's people feel, um, I guess, more distanced towards you, and they're mm. less likely to you know. D- do a variety of things i think they've had like studies about job applications and all kinds of things with, like everyone yeah with somebody that applies and everything is the same except the name is like harder to pronounce or something there's all been all kinds of studies about this and it really when i when i was thinking about like what to name my kids i thought yeah. about that i thought about i want something pronounceable um in the in the society they're going to live in yeah you know like i i need it to be pronounceable it, it doesn't i don't even care what culture it's from really but it just needs to look like what it sounds like because i don't want to have uh, the corrections and i don't want people to uh struggle over that for no reason for kids to struggle over that but personally i never struggled with it even though both my first name and my last name are not the proper the, like the sarah hater is not the the way you say it anywhere but um or in, you in always said I mean. that like would your parents pronounce your name differently they do yeah they they, they pronounce both the first and the last name differently mm-hmm. but when i came to america um you know i it, it was a struggle with my first name especially because people i mean that's my that feels closer to me than my last name i feel like okay you butcher my last name it's one thing but like first name it felt strange to hear a different what was what sounded to me like a different name, but people are calling me by that name um, and saying, Hey, Sarah. And I'm like, who's Sarah, oh. <laughs> you know? Um, but that last, it only lasted a couple of months really. And then I just got used to it and it was fine. And now it feels like my name. Um, and I yeah. just think of it. I just think of it. There's different versions of my name and some, my family like to use and some, you know, my friends like to use and it's, it doesn't bother me at all. What people yeah use um or how people butcher butcher i think parents need to think really hard about these things like yeah you know it's a funny a funny thing with my name that my parents could never have anticipated i often get called megum okay what yeah okay and it's bizarre it happens all the time it happens it it does it happens on documents it happens on emails and here's the reason this is the reason because if you look at my name megan daum you're there's like a brain thing where the m at the end of daum like go like leaps over and it goes i actually i can see i can see that totally And like, that's the kind of thing. No parent is going to think of that, but I think they should. I think there should be coaches. I'm sure this exists. There should be naming coaches 
to help parents like think through every possible scenario. There's no, there's like 10 parents who are going to go through, hire these coaches. Everybody else is going to name their kid Khaleesi or something, you know, like Daenerys. That's what they're going to do. Yeah. But I think it's terrible when parents like purposely give crazy, weird spellings of a name. Like Elon Musk's um well the child <laughs> the one that's a number or the unfortunate yeah yeah well i think he can get away with that but if there's just you know when i see somebody with a name like nicole and it's like n y k h y you know yeah. that kind of thing it's like why do you do why do you have to do that this is not a racial thing by the way i mean this i see this you see this with all kinds of people I see a lot of white names that are very strange, like Kaylee, but it'll be like, you know, C H E Y L E I G H. Yeah, yeah. I, I I think parents should think about it. They think the the need to be here. Okay, here this is what's interesting about this tweet thread. So we have this need to be unique. Everybody wants to be an individual. Everybody w- wants to be a special. And then at the same time, they don't want to have their specialness present any kind of challenge or obstacle to anybody. It's like, mm. I want to be a totally my own person. And if I have a strange name, that makes me more special. But then you have, then have to adapt to, to my, me. To me. Yeah. Yes. Well, so, so with this person, so this person's an immigrant or for like from like a different culture. She might not be an immigrant, but her parents probably are. Um, like South Asian of some kind. So that's slightly different than, you know, parents just being going crazy. Oh, with of course. Somebody, with yeah, the kids no, that's name. a different thing. Yeah. But, but I think that's even that I totally understand that people have a hard time pronouncing names that are not familiar in a culture. You know, like, I don't know. I don't understand why you would expect otherwise or why you would be hurt that people aren't you know, I forget people's names, no matter how easy they are. I forget people's names all the time. I, I never forget a face, but I forget names constantly. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's not I'm not doing it on purpose. You know, my brain isn't it doesn't function that way, and especially if you have a strange name. Um, it'll take me a little while, a little longer to really get it right. And I don't think I'm being, you know, racist or anything. And I actually yeah. I, I remember when I came to America um, like I, I remember this clearly because names were so hard for me. I had never encountered these names before, oh. like Courtney, like Christina. Heather. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, 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 yeah. Heather. Uh, they were just Morgan. Like I had never heard these sounds together, you know, in yeah. <laughs> like, place yeah. together like that. Um, and it, it was, it was really hard for me. I remember cause, cause you go into a class and here's like 20 kids all, ha- all have names that are just wild to me. Um, and I can't, I can't remember any of them and I can't get it right. Uh, and I remember that being tough and I, I don't understand. I think that it's the same for everybody. Everyone's brain just kind of works the same way. Um, I, I just think it's, it's a, something very weird to complain so hard about and to care so much about. Um, why not just go with it? Just give yourself a nickname. It's like Nikki Haley. Like everyone's very mad at Nikki Haley for going by her middle name, oh. which is Nikki. And that's her, her actual name. Um, let's see. I know this. Like an un- I- like an Indian name, like a more traditional. It's a more. It's a more. Well, well, well Nikki is actually also an Indian name. Like it's a. It's a nickname. Mm-hmm. Um, that 
many Indians use. And she actually has on her birth certificate. Her parents gave it to her. Her first name is Nimrata. Oh. That um, sounds like Nimrod, so I can see why she's there. Yeah, well, so yeah, right. And Nikki, I've, I've, I had this name. I would just go by Nikki. Um, it's easier. And and then Haley is her spouse's name that she took on when she got married. Mm-hmm. So she had a more Indian last name, and then she got. And so every I I I see on Twitter all the time people like people getting like accusing Nikki Haley of cho- of whitewashing her name, and she didn't. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. She was born with the name Nikki and she right. married a guy what was she you know, like, um but yeah yeah, yeah. I, and then we have people she, like ibram x kendi who do the opposite of whitewashing his name what's his real yeah. name something totally normal yeah it's something like, easy to pronounce <laughs> yeah it's like john smith something a lot of them do that yeah yeah or uh, i don't know it's i it's it, it is amazing that Barack Hussein Obama was elected president. I think he's the only president who's had uh, an even slightly unusual name. Mm-hmm. You think of all of them; they just have been all very, very standard. Mike Dukakis would have been. Uh, well, that would have been a weird a, one. A, a step away from the norm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So, all right. Well, this person needs. I think she's being ratioed pretty hard. So, I don't know if that's going to change her outlook, but. Oh, she's. De- mm-hmm. It's definitely going to prove that everyone's a racist. Yeah. Even though a bunch of the quote tweets are people with strange names saying it's okay if you mispronounce your name, my my name. I mean, I I think like there are also a lot of like you know Eastern European like you know people with 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 very funny European names. Oh, with like um, C Z po- yeah. with a bunch yeah, of yeah, 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 all yeah. consonants. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean those uh, those people exist, and I'm sure they get their names butchered by everybody. Um, yeah. it does it harm their self-esteem? No, you have to take responsibility for yourself. Louis C.K., doesn't he have some crazy name like that? And that's why he goes by Louis does C.K.? Does he really? Yeah, I think so. That's not his name. <laughs> I don't think that's his name. I think it's shortened from something. Yeah. Oh, I just... People got to get some hobbies. But I do think... I don't like it. Well, okay. Actually, before we move on, let me ask you this. Do you think it's weird when somebody just gives you a nickname and expects you to be okay with it? I think that is a little bit intrusive. Unless it's it somebody that's very fond of. Yeah, if it's yeah, somebody who's very yeah. close to you. But if it's like some like guy at work or something who's just like, you know, it's like, <laughs> it's like that's I had a lady, a lady at work gave me, well, she gave me a name. Um, it was a cleaning lady, though. And I would stay late at work, and she gave me. She called me Sarita, uh-huh. and which, which I guess just means like little Sarah. Yeah, that's cute. <laughs> it's like a diminutive of Sarah. She started using it, and then a bunch of them started using it, and then it became like a name yeah. for me. But that was a little annoying, but it was also cute, so I was okay. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> that's endearing. But that was a power, you know. She, you have more power than she does, so she was punching up to power by mm-hmm. giving you this diminutive name. Yeah, you probably don't remember that SNL sketch with people in the office. There's always one guy in the office who's giving people nicknames. So it's like, Megan, Megarama, the Megster. <laughs> how you doing? It's Mega like George Bush. Yeah, that, there's always that guy in the office. George Bush's, his nicknames are hilarious. The names he used to give people. Oh, really? Like what? Oh, they're so great. that He called Putin Pootie Poot. <laughs> <laughs> um and a bunch of the names were like uh 
that were Hispanic. I don't know why. So he would just, there would just be some guy named Pete and he would call him Pedro. Oh <laughs> He'd be like, God. hey, Pedro. Oh my, yeah. Oh my um, yeah. I think he, who did he call Turd Blossom? I think it was. Um, <laughs> it was Turd Blossom? Turd Blossom. That. He called uh, someone, well, not like as a nickname, but he did refer to him as Turd Blossom. I think it was Carl Rove that he called wow see this is making me like george george w bush (laughs) there's a whole list somewhere of all the nicknames that he gave people and he would give them nicknames there's like a hundred of them he remembered all the nicknames he gave people that's that is an incredible yeah like almost of a superpower actually um but yeah Yeah. he gave nicknames to just about everybody no if only he could have if only he could have fulfilled his dream of being baseball commissioner it's all he ever wanted. <laughs> they wouldn't give it to him. So he ran for president and we got into catastrophic war. Just let people play baseball. It's the moral of that story. Just to clarify, Ibram X. Kendi's real name is Ibram Henry Rogers. So we got to at least give him credit for keeping his first name. Okay. For the record. Yeah. Henry he- Rogers is very, that's a, Okay, I think it, it was a smart marketing move for him to change his name. Oh yeah, you know. But a- anything where you put X, X in, it was what if a I very, was like yeah. Megan X Down. <laughs> I would like that. You should do that. You should just change your name to Megan X Down. Oh yeah, I, and I, then, wish, I, okay. I wish it was just X. Believe me. Yeah, <laughs> X Down. Yeah, or yeah. Megan X. Yeah. Oh, I like Megan that. X. Megan X. Megan X. Because then, just with the X at the end of Megan, because then that's like, I'm. It's a way of signaling that I'm on the right side with my name. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, like Tanks. Megan X. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, I pulled up a list of nicknames used by George W. Bush, and they're awesome. Uh, he gave his parents nicknames. Okay, his parents' oh. name. George H. W. Bush was called Poppy, which is fine. Okay. Um, his mom, Laura Bush. Um, no, wait, 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 wait. No, 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 Laura, no, no, Laura no, no, Bush. No, Bush sorry, is, sorry, Bush's his, his, his wife, his wife, his, his wife, Laura Bush. Yes, his wife, Laura Bush, was bushy. Oh God! <laughs> wow. <laughs> um. Yeah. Putin. Yeah, I was right. Pooty Poot was one of his uh, Putin's um, <laughs> nicknames, as is ostrich legs, which is very strange. That was that's Putin um, was ostrich legs. Oh. Yeah. Um, uh, former ambassador to the United States from Saudi Arabia, Bandar Bil- bin Sultan became Bandar Bar. Uh, <laughs> um, Silvio Bersco- Bersco- oh, Berlusconi, the Italian, became Shoes. Yeah. Why is he called Shoes? Like S H O E S? Like oh, shoes that you wear? Yeah, like shoes that you oh, wear. Oh, like Italian shoes. Probably because he associates them with fine <laughs> Italian loafers. Yeah. I like this. Oh, that's hilarious. Um, Dick Cheney was big time and vice. You can hear him say it, right? Like big time? Yeah. Was Dick Cheney? Was big wow, t- Dick Cheney. And then um, Donald Rumsfeld was rummy. Yeah. Those are good. Yeah. Um, Carl Rove was, yes, turd blossom, but also boy genius. Yeah. <laughs> And the architect. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh man, these and then and then uh, yeah, I was right. So he 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 gave all these white boys these Hispanic names. Oh, uh, Paul, somebody named Paul O'Neill, Secretary of the Treasury, became Pablo. Hmm. I knew. I mean, I knew that he did things like this. I don't know why. 
Um, oh, they're so good, though. Uh, someone named the physician to the president, Ronnie Jackson, became Scrote. Now what? you tell me why that makes sense. Scrote, <laughs> like he's doing, like he's doing, like a prostate exam or something, I, and then it just comes to mind. It has to be right. Like it has wow. to be something like that, and now it's that's his association. Um. Yeah. Oh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Um, he called him Conan the Republican. <laughs> See, this is true prep. Like you, preppies, because prep waspy preppies like this love to give nicknames. Like they like to call each other Biff or Bop or Bip and Muffy and <laughs> Why? Oh yeah, that's a total waspy thing. Because and, you know, this is the other. This is actually this gets into a class issue because. I remember if the higher the higher up you are in class, like the Bushes would be the ultimate elite, waspy elite, old money. So they could get away. Same with the Kennedys. Like they probably had silly nicknames. Like they could get away with being kind of silly with their names. So you probably relate to this a little bit. So my parents were so striving. They wanted so, so badly to prove that they had risen above their social rank. Uh, kind of in the Ozarks. And so they would never have given us like names that were sort of whimsical or playful anyway. Like, you know, we need to look Mm -hmm. serious. And I remember when I got to college, my, um, my roommate, my freshman year roommate, I guess we're not supposed to, we said freshman back then, whatever. Um, She was like Connecticut wasp had gone to boarding school, all this. And I remember that her, first of all, she, I'm not going to say her name, but she had like a, a weird nickname. Okay. Uh, and then actually so did her mother. It's yeah, they were totally this. And I remember her aunt or somebody in her family had a baby and the baby was named Daisy. And I remember just being totally flummoxed by that. Like what, how could you, what somebody would name their kid Daisy? Like that is so unserious. I, I could not get my mind around it. Uh, and now, I mean, this was like 1988. Okay. So this mm-hmm. was before the time when people, you know, sort of hipsters started giving their kids the names of their dogs. Like I always say, you know, today's dog names are tomorrow's hipster baby names, right? So like Oscar <laughs> yeah. and Roscoe and the, all the, the Rex and all that kind of stuff. Like that starts <laughs> to be people's baby names. But yeah, so Daisy, I just couldn't believe it. And I think she was almost offended. Um, so yeah, you look back on that and you have to, you have to be, um, it's kind of the, maybe this is analogous to like, if you're hot enough, you can withhold sex. So if you're a wealthy and old money and connected enough, you will, you have a, the natural gravitas that you can, you can, uh, withstand having like a silly name. Mm, I think that that's what right. it is. Yeah, yeah. That sounds right to me. Yeah. yeah. Okay. One more. Can we do yes. one more? Chris Please. Christie. Chris Christie. Uh, Chris Christie became big boy. Oh, yeah. He could have done better than that. <laughs> That's so mean. <laughs> I know. But nobody cared. Nobody, he nobody never got, cared. No, nobody cared. Well, John Boehner's boner. That, that I think is. <laughs> I, I, but that, that is how, that is what everybody, that's what the spelling looks like. He's just being phonetic with the spelling. That is what the spelling of boner, of Boehner looks like. Isn't it? We it's like need B-O-E-H-N-E-R. Yeah. And that's why John Boehner was always crying all the time. Remember that? (laughs) So remember when he started and he was first on the scene and not only did he have an orange face, but he was always crying and the littlest thing made him emotional and everybody made fun of him for it. And he finally 
got it together and stopped doing it. I wonder if he had to go to like cognitive therapy. behavioral therapy or something. Yeah. It's kind of sad. Poor guy. We, yeah. yeah. Maybe someone we should, should have do. him on. Someone we should have him on that. the podcast <laughs> to talk about it. How he got how he got past it and if he if he's has now gone back to crying now that he's not in public life as much. You heard it here. John Boehner. John Boehner. Can, you can come here. There. Yeah, but, yeah. A <laughs> uh, safe space for you. Yeah. Special okay. place. Okay. Um, all right. Well, that was a good segment. <laughs> get a, That's a superficial segment. Move on to light, lighter matters. Um, have you had any, like, what, do we have to talk about plastic surgery? Have you had any, uh, like, cosmetic work done since we, uh, we, we last since- spoke or anything? No, but I've been thinking about it a lot because a lot of people had comments on <laughs> yeah, it too. We're watching Just, the, uh, the we're watching the ticking, were, we're watching the subscription numbers going up. So, yeah, yeah and uh, well, um, not yet, but uh, if you yeah. if if we get enough subscribers, maybe. Yeah, we'll start. Um, we'll start that. Well, speaking of surgery, uh, we there was some news that came out a couple of weeks ago, maybe a week before last. Uh, out of the annual meeting of WPATH, which is the World Professional Association for Transgender Health. I believe that's what it stands for. And this is the professional organization that sets the guidelines, uh, and they're just suggested guidelines, but they're pretty influential uh, for what's considered appropriate care for gender dysphoric youth. So for instance, how long somebody should be assessed if, if a kid comes in with a transgender identity, if they should be put on puberty blockers or hormones right away, or how long an assessment period should be, um, whether or not surgery is appropriate. And this was interesting to me because I have to admit that as closely as I follow this, I was one of these people that really thought that kids under 18 getting actual surgeries was pretty rare. I thought that that was just kind of hyperbole and that it wasn't useful to bellyache about it because we needed to concentrate on the problems that were really happening. But in fact, uh, what, what came out is that this is going on. There are protocols to give even things like vaginoplasties and phalloplasties to uh, kids under 18 and it has been done uh, and it's pretty shocking. And on top of that, it came out that there was a new gender identity category that was going to be um, validated uh, and that is the category of eunuch. So that if somebody comes in expressing a eunuch identity, what does that mean? What guidelines for treating that person so describe what is a what allows you into the eunuch category i think you just don't want to have any genitals like you want to be i think this is mostly in biological men like you want to look like a ken doll basically like no genitals smooth chest like no nipples you want to just be like a smooth like a seal or something (laughs) so this is unreal yeah, this is, is unreal. So why? I, I mean, I, and this is a serious uh, organization. This yeah, is an influential it's a professional organization, organization. Yeah. And, and it's what pediatricians and cl- clinicians look to for guidance. The average pediatrician out there is not following this issue as closely as you and I are, Sarah. We mm. we really should be pediatricians at this. We point. should be. We are more we qualified than your average neighborhood pediatrician. No, I mean it's. 
there's a lot going on in the world. It's people can't people look to professional organizations to keep them up to date. This is the latest study. This is the latest paper. The latest research mm-hmm. says this. And when it comes to this area, the the data has been so distorted and the professional organizations have been so captured that it's like a complete free for all. Yeah. Yeah. And I, dissenting voices are not really very welcome in not at all. You know, yeah, those those organizations which is um which is such a shame because this is there's a lot to be discussed. Um and did they have much to say about rapid onset gender dysphoria? Oh, I believe I need to pull this up, but yeah, I I read that even though the eunuch category has been acknowledged, ROGD is still not acknowledged as a thing. Mm. And and for those who don't know what that might be, I presume almost everybody listening to it does. But um, rapid onset gender dysphoria was coined um, fairly recently by uh, Lisa Lipman. Is that yes? Is that who? Yeah, and it, she she uh, followed. Um, or she was she uses to describe the uh, kind of a new phenomena of young girls, like teenage girls, really, um, who appear to suddenly uh, adopt this trans identity and want to fast track into transition. Um, and and it, it was happening in, in this very, and is happening in this very specific subset of people. And she, um, I, I, well, I don't know if she, she mentions this specifically, but it appears to be related quite a bit to your social circle so there's um a lot of discussion about the relation to you know just just the social contagion aspect of yeah. of this kind of gender dysphoria <clears throat> and uh it, it is also it, the fastest growing um kind of gender dysphoria so it's it's amazing that it is not even discussed in yeah it's in, it's like something that's right in front of you they say yeah. oh it, oh this doesn't exist well it clearly does Right. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's part of our lived experience. So yeah. some, not all lived experiences are created equal, apparently. Yeah. I mean, it, it, this is a this is an activist organization, um, it, an activist professional organization, and and it's, but and, and the already in the to the extent that I'm familiar with them, professional organizations, um, not 100 percent across the board, but very much the org- the professional organizations of say the laptop class classes um tend to be tend to lean much more to the left of their constituencies um and this appears to be um an an even more extreme case yeah i think but the american pediatric association also uh endorses this yeah the uh, affirmative care model anyway yeah. yeah, it's interesting. I don't I, I don't think I'm telling tales out of school. I think I can say this. So the unspeakeasy retreats they're they're off the record, but I think I can say we have um we have guest speakers and we had a guest speaker zoom in uh and that was Sasha Ayad who is a gender clinician. She has a, a really really good podcast called Gender a Wider Lens that she does with Stella O'Malley. Sasha was one of the very first guests on The Unspeakable actually and I think she's just an incredibly insightful <clears throat> thinker um on this issue. She's a great interviewer. She asks really really just just really generous and probing and curious questions. Uh, and so she spoke to us on Zoom, and I think I can say this because I think she said this on her podcast. Like she was talking about going to professional, you know, 
conference, professional organization conferences of therapists or whatever, and giving a presentation about gender identity stuff and nobody saying anything, being a little bit uh, given the cold shoulder, uh, even people being very combative in the Q&A, that sort of thing. And then um, afterwards, of course, people would come up to her and say like, oh, thank you for saying that. I really, mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. I, I totally hear you, but I can't speak up. I mean, what? how did we get into a world where the most educated, professional, people with the most agency, okay, to use that word, are the biggest sheep? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, I, I, stunning. I, it's a big part of my like black pill pessimism. Um, just <laughs> watching this, watching uh, the insanity take hold of on uh, on institutions that I respected and I trusted, and now I don't know. You know, I mean, if if you can be so wrong on something, and you can show yourself as being capable of being that wrong. Um, I suddenly began to feel skeptical of, you know, a hundred other claims. Ah, see, but Um, oh, you go crazy. That's so bad. That's bad. Yeah, it's so bad. It is crazy. I mean, that's how you, that's how you get to a point where you don't trust anyone or anything. Um, and start watching, you know, bizarro YouTube, uh, (laughs) channels that lead you down some weird path. Um, and I I can't, it, but I just don't know how to avoid it. You know, once the once you lose faith in something, it's very hard to force your brain to 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 say no, no. I'm going. I'm going to trust. I'm going to continue to trust them, um, despite knowing here's this scenario and this scenario and this scenario in which th- these institutions or organizations are, um, you know, simply they're hiding the truth um, or just not being very brave, really. In 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 making room for it i yeah yeah um so something um it, do we want to move to the do we have do you have any more to say no i mean on, just on- well you know colin wright is the guest on the unspeakable podcast this week he's an evolutionary biologist who writes almost exclusively about gender and gender gender youth me- medicine these days and he went into a long description about what goes on with these surgeries and the complication rate and yeah, basically setting me straight. I, like I said, I had assumed that it wasn't really that common. Uh, And the fact is that we had a reality show jazz with jazz Jennings where a child had a, um, you know, penis removal in front of the whole world. Yeah. At age 17, I believe. And it would have been 16, but um she is now the preferred pronoun had to lose weight before the surgery um yeah this person is very like if you're if you're watching with a skeptical eye what happened to jazz jennings and so jazz jennings for those who don't know it was transgender girl now i guess woman um like born male and started identifying as a girl when uh when they were very young and they became famous when they were very young um, published books and stuff like that, like kind of a cute little child, you know, and it was easy to believe that this is a girl child because this was a, like a yeah, pretty so obviously boy. Obviously was not then, being, you know, became... also was not being influenced by Tumblr or anything like that. Right. And then, yeah. yeah, yeah. And then, and then went on to, you know, puberty blockers and then cross-sex hormones. So this is somebody who's like always really been trans. Yeah. Um, and, you know, at some point maybe we should talk about the show because I'm like fascinated by this show. Um, and it it is... It, all of these, you know, these um, 
reality TV shows have this, the personalities involved are, are often um, questionable in you know in, in well, anybody <laughs> reality shows don't exactly index yeah, right. for the healthiest uh, <laughs> ego uh, uh yeah the, yeah I, but in this yeah. case the mother um is i mean it's hard i, I don't want to say anything that i'm that's going to get me sued whatever but but it, that'd be it, good no it, that'd be good it, for it, a show sir yeah but, but this this it. woman um she feel it, it, it seems like she is she's always in the background she's always um like supportive of this child and has been from the very beginning she's been like front and center a bunch of these like trans kids that become famous um and and you know take the stage and you know go on ellen or whatever like it feels like the mothers are very involved yeah and enjoying the attention um and you know i if you poke around some of the trans parents groups um, on Facebook or, or elsewhere, so many of them are mothers and it seems as if the fathers don't agree no. <laughs> or, or they're not supportive, but the mothers very much are, and almost they seem to be egging their children on, yeah. you know, and sometimes, sometimes it's very direct and it feels like, uh, you know, grooming. It feels. <laughs> I mean, like, I don't want to use that it, word. It feels grooming, like, but it feels like Munchausen's by proxy. Yeah, what it feels like. Yeah, this yeah. is something like th- I feel like this is the f- final frontier of sub conversations within this conversation because yeah, something is going on with some of these moms. Not all of them. This is a particular subset. Them. Not all of them. But there's a need for attention. I actually was talking with Colin about this a little bit. Uh, like you know, if if you've just been a kind of regular woman raising your family and having a life and going on Facebook and trying to post things, if you are given the opportunity to not only be special and different mm-hmm. and be a hero to your child, mm-hmm. but virtue signal, yeah, you can see how that would be a pretty potent combination for a certain kind of person. Yeah. And it's horrifying because this is the, per- I mean, the mothers of such powerful influence on small children and the way they perceive the world yeah that if you have a mother who really really desires something um and if you're if you just happen to be a gender non-conforming child like somebody who would grow up to be gay or you know a lesbian when they're older like it's it's so easy to just believe this that actually i am uh, a girl yeah or, well you want to yeah. please your mother and of more course than anyone. your mother knows best she's more than she, anyone right and of you course. trust your and mother you trust her oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. And this gets to this thing I think we were talking about before, like women control the culture now in a way like Mm -hmm. women. I think I was talking about this with with Louise Perry and I think you and I were talking about this, like women basically run cancel culture. Do you think that's accurate? Oh, definitely. And they set the tone. We set the tone for the culture in general. Um, yeah yeah i mean well to the extent that i mean i can i can make the case of feminism is or or what was mainstream feminism is now just accepted um across all our culture making institutions as the default understanding of the world um and then on top of that there is something about yeah cancel culture as almost an, a, a, as exemplifying toxic femininity, you know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, that's how I've defined it. And that's how I, I think of a, a, 
much of woke is wokest extremist uh, behaviors as like hyper toxic femininity. Um, not to say that men don't participate. Of course they do. And some of them are the loudest voices, Um, but there's definitely something about it that feels uh, as if it is um, in line with how women like to police their social surroundings. Yes. Um, And, 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 and it, it, so how do you push back? You know, what do you, who pushes back really? Um, Well, it's hard to talk about, I mean, I wrote a whole thing. We, we, we can't talk about toxic masculinity unless we're going to recognize toxic fe- femininity. Women are masters of manipulation and gaslighting and all of that. I think women are, they have a, we have a sort of sophisticated mode of communication, unspoken communication that men can't even hear. It's like bat signals sometimes. Yeah. Not um, all of us. Some of us don't get the bat signals. You don't get bat signals? I mean, I'm getting so many right getting, now. I can I barely get fla- hear you. I get- <laughs> it's like my brain is. Just, yeah, I got flawed bat signals oh, okay. for sure. I'm like landing. I'm like bringing uh, air traffic into into LAX <laughs> as we speak. Like I can control the planes, you know, talking to d- whales d- and dolphins. Are, doesn't that make you afraid of women a little bit? Well, but of course. Be- I mean, women are much more, ter- more terrifying than men. Okay. Well, here, look men are men are scary men are dangerous physically and women are dangerous psychologically if we're going to be speaking and socially if we're going to be speaking in the broadest terms okay yeah um now you could make the argument that if somebody is physically dangerous they can kill you and that's a bigger threat than somebody who is psychologically manipulative okay true but a lot of that psychological manipulation gets a pass there's no sort of system for policing that we don't yeah. say you're under arrest if you emotionally blackmail this person and there's no there's no system of even rec- i mean you might not even recognize it when it's happening to you yeah um unlike you know physical coercion which is hard to it's hard to deny if it's actually happening um how it in so many of these cases, like especially like the the, the so- social media mobs or whatever, where, where you basically force somebody to apologize and say that they're wrong, and it's kind of the struggle session. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it, does that person recognize that they're being victimized? Not, I, I don't think all the time they do. I think sometimes they believe that they are, you know, they begin to believe that they are the bad guy. They begin oh, to believe yeah. that um, that they des- they they deserve this treatment. Uh, and need to to repent. So there's something about that that, to me, is so, is nefarious in a in a way that uh, physical you know physical um, coercion is not. Right. Um, and then and then so much of our social life is online. We're not even in each other's physical spaces. Right. <laughs> Where right. Yes. Suddenly it's a, yeah, all the strength that men had, the advantages they have have been rendered moot because they can't physically get their hands on anybody if we're in a virtual world. Yeah. Yeah. And just you think about, I mean, we've talked about this before, that what is valued in the digital economy, the personality traits that are valued, sitting still, sitting still at your desk, focusing, paying attention, being able to work with people, that's something that girls tend to be better at uh, than boys. So there's, a, you know, there's a reason that girls are they're moving ahead. That's, 
moving ahead of boys. So yeah. It's a feminine world. It feels like a very feminized culture. It is a feminized culture. We, we, and it's not so – a lot of conservatives use that as like this is a terrible thing, you know. And I, I – I, I'm split in that I, I think in, in some ways it's very good that we are in a feminized culture. I yeah. think it's good to be sensitive about things. I think it's good to prioritize um, – you know, marginalized people. I hate that phrase. I hate using it. But well, it should be it to but, be thoughtful. To be, yeah, but to be to thoughtful, be thoughtful, to be thoughtful about others. Yeah. But then it's become that being thoughtful and being considerate is actually like an arms race. And it's not actually about being thoughtful and being considerate, but about being seen to be thoughtful right. and being seen to be, um, you know, the most considerate person out there. Uh, and, and then you get the, the virtue signal wars. Um, so there's, I think there's something about the extremes of feminine social behavior that are that are more or less now that the, the social behavior of like a certain class of people, <laughs> yeah, or 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 the behavior that's dominant among the certain class of people, um, right, right. It's is it sort of like this is the equivalent of a bunch of guys just getting in bar fights all the time, like a bunch of hooligans <laughs> beating each other up on the street. Yeah. So this is the female version is just being horrible to one another online or like a real housewife sort of dynamic. I never yeah. watch any of those shows, but I, I think that's the vibe, right? Well, the, yeah, it's just, it's that you don't even know what you, you have to sense um, based on things that are not explicit where the line is and you might not even know that you've crossed it. So there's like a, there's a Kafkaesque element of all this um, that people, and people have told me this too, that they, that suddenly, you know, their friends, people they knew stopped talking to them. A lot of it in relation to like the gender stuff, but really a whole, a, all manners of, you know, like of uh, heterodox um, topics or third rails that you can you can touch and suddenly you lose uh, some of your some of your social circle they just they just ghost you and stop mm-hmm. talking to you that to me feels pretty feminine too yes um, th- that behavior oh I know I feel like guys could not even bother with that yeah guys I feel like guys are more likely to if they disagree with you to just act, come up to you and disagree with you and say I think you're wrong and you're stupid and here's why and uh, and and girls are more likely or women are more likely to just you know unfriend unfollow right because you know, they don't want to we don't want to confront we, yeah they don't want the conflict yeah so you don't even know where you stand right. I feel like I, I I stand I know where I stand with men in a way that I don't know where I stand with women yeah yeah well and women will talk about other women behind their backs yeah do so. do. You, do you, do I do that? Never. Yeah, yeah, yeah I was going to never. Oh. You know, that's. Um, Me neither. <laughs> well, no, I mean, one my friend Tim Kreider has what one of my very favorite essays. Uh, it has a couple of different names on this theme. It has a couple of different names. It uh, it's called it was in The New York Times originally. It was called I Know What You Think About Me. And he talks about what it's like to know that your friends are talking about you behind your back. And Whoa. it's it starts off with him like sending an email about something and somebody it was some somebody hit a reply all anyway he ended up oh, seeing no. the reply that he wasn't supposed to see like somebody was kind of making fun of him one of his friends and he saw it and he talked about how that stung but then he just goes into this really really just very thoughtful and incredibly poignant kind of rumination about 
our friends are all ridiculous. Like, we are all ridiculous. We're, we're always going to be acting silly and we're always going to be rolling our eyes at our friends. And that's why that's normal. Yeah. 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 And you know, the last, I don't want to give it away too much, but he talks about, you know, the, the, the last line of the piece is it's, I think it's been kind of memified. It just, it, it says, I'm going to misquote this a little bit, but if you want to experience the, the benefits of being loved, you have to endure the mortifying ordeal of being known. Mm. And it's so, mm. I just get chills even wow. saying that. And yeah, yeah. I think we're, we're a little bit off topic here, but, but yeah, th- this whole thing of knowing that people are talking about you behind your back, it's something I think about a lot. Like it's just the kind of thing you have to have a mental discipline about. You have to just put it out of your mind. Like, you know, just, they're talking or you could about just, you. Yeah. You just, I, I, I assume people are, but I, I don't know. I, I've started to spend time. It depends on who you're spending time with too, because I, I spent time with a lot of my, a lot of my friends. I, I was joking when I, when I said that I spend a lot of time gossiping. I don't because I, my no, you don't have friends a life. are not. Well, also, I, what are you yes, gonna, I don't have you a life. Don't have who am I going to talk about? Or I don't have any friends. Exactly. No. Um, yeah. And I don't even, yeah, I, I, um, the, the people I do talk to tend to be like, it's like either a work relationship kind of thing or, um, or, or they're like, almost autistic dudes you know so it's like they don't gossip (laughs) they don't even know how to gossip (laughs) like we'll talk about people but it's not gossiping you know it's just it's just talking oh this person doing this oh cool but it's not like it's when people won't talk about other people talking about other people is one of the great pleasures well they'll they'll talk about them but just not it's it's not gossip i don't know what makes something into gossip well maybe just shit talk gossip i want to be clear gossip is when you are telling secrets about people to other people that's not acceptable no i don't do that but i see more like oh my gosh you know, did you notice, did you talk to Karen the other day? She's really, she's, she's back at it again. She's going through this again. When is she going to stop? Uh, okay. You know, she's never going to yeah, get yeah, away from I don't that have guy. A friend that she's works, doing so. her usual thing. Yeah. That's, yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, for reasons that are not, that have nothing to do with like my character. I, I don't, I end up not doing that. Oh, see, I feel like I know what people are saying about me. I just. Really? Yeah. And especially lately, I've found myself, I've been so overwhelmed with work and trying to get these projects off the ground and like a million things that I am I have found myself actually avoiding talking to people because they're going to say, how are you? And I'm just going to go on about how overworked I am. And it's really boring. And they're just going to then go like, oh, yeah, I talked to Megan the other day. The usual. She's going on and on about it. And it's just, I want to just <laughs> skip it. No, that's that's too much. You're thinking too much. You're thinking, yeah, thinking too much. About my, even... They're not even talking about me. Yeah, I'm. Truth. Yeah, <laughs> I'm at a. I'm at like you're. You're at like f- like level five or six deep. You know, I'm gonna. I say this, and then they're gonna think that, and then I'm gonna think that about that. Um, and well, I'm, I'm at like zero. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, like sometimes you think like, what is the thing that people are gonna say? Like if you died now, this is an interesting thought exercise. If you died now, what are the things that people would say at your funeral? And like, especially the jokey things. And I, with me, it would be like, yep, she never stopped moving to a new house. Like she never, she was always, (laughs) she could never decide where she was going to live. It was always one foot out the door. And yeah. I've never thought about that. I've never thought about what people would say. Yeah. Or if you're not there, what does it matter? No. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Right. Like if you're in a relationship, I mean, you know, there are people who are in bad relationships or marriages and all they do is complain about it year after year after year. Mm. And 
you start to wonder. I think it's a good actually. I don't understand that. I think that's so disrespectful. I I I can't stand it when someone complete like it, it. So it's just there's one thing to just be like, oh yeah, Bob was doing blah blah blah. You know, just like a little thing versus like true like I like hate my husband. Oh, you but know? I'm not talking like disrespects. Well, us, like but if you have true problems in your marriage, I think it's helpful to hash them out with your friends. I think it is helpful. It is. It is. It depends on, I think, how you go about it because it's easy to turn your girlfriends against your oh, husband yeah. and kind of just like they, you know, they take your side um, or your yeah. boyfriend. I mean, that's but happened to me. Then everybody plays along. I mean, you know yeah. how that goes. Everybody, you, you tell, you've complained about your your boyfriend or your husband for months and then you see them at a dinner party and everybody's acting like I mean think of all the things you know yeah, your, about. your social life is so complex well I, I've um, had many more years of going to dinner no parties, but, but, but just, also you your social life is just more complex complex I think. yeah yeah like you because you, you're hanging out with like very socially astute people so there's like layers <laughs> going you on you, you need out, to hang, hang out, out with, with like <laughs> like robots or you need to you, hang out with yeah with people with like miles like on the on the spectrum and then you don't have these <laughs> um huh. layers and oh, layers all of, these dramas of yeah, oh, yeah. These dra- it's like you kind of know like it's like oh yeah somebody said something about somebody's husband and it's like you know this thing about the guy and you wish you wish you didn't know it but you do and oh yeah but that's that's the fun that's the fun of be getting older and making mistakes and being flawed and fucking up your life and moving on and everybody's kind of a fuck up and there's something nice about that. It is nice. I, I actually am, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying aging. Somebody asked me that the other oh. day. They were like, you know, now that you're 30, like, how do you feel about it? Um, and I'm like, I, I like it. I, 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 every year that passes, I'm a little bit more comfortable in my own skin i like that i understand people more um and that i'm more i have better coping mechanisms um you know to deal with whatever life's throwing at me i i i don't know i just i don't know what the big i guess at some point you you start to degrade physically and that's a big problem (laughs) yeah (laughs) around 31 and a half it's all over yeah i uh no i the the 20s are really hard i think the 20s you're still so close to adolescence yeah that it's it's hard to sort of peel yourself away from that i think that the 20s are tough what's your favorite decade um well my my ideal age was 27 actually of all things i feel Mm. like i feel like Mm -hmm. my life just kind of was you know there there there's sort of a moment of perfect equilibrium for maybe half a day when i was 27 uh but that's when you wrote that piece or around that time. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was, the, I, the re- York, I was like, um, yeah, piece. I was writing a lot of um, big pieces for me that during that time. Mm-hmm. And it was also significant because it was when I finally got my own apartment after living with roommates for Ooh, ever yeah. since college. So yeah, that was huge. So when I got my own apartment with like, I didn't have roommates and it was even, it wasn't even a studio. It was one bedroom, Sarah. It was one oh, bedroom. Oh, wow. Yeah, and it had well, like, it, that is amazing to me. I've never done that. Yeah. Yeah. It was, yes. I've never lived on my own. Right. And so I could have like, you know. I could Whatever have like you a, wanted. A boyfriend yeah. and be like, oh, come to my, come over to my apartment. <laughs> as if I was some fancy lady. But of course I couldn't, there was like hardly any kitchen. And I never, I, I had this idea that I could entertain like an adult in my apartment, but I rarely did. But Yeah. 
Yeah, I think, yeah. I, I mean, I, I, 27 was, it was nice. I don't know. I don't know. I wouldn't say it was great, but it was, it was good. Yeah. I liked, I liked my early 20s. I was full of optimism. Oh my God, really? <laughs> yeah. Was, no one's going to believe that. Yeah. I was, a, I was a very optimistic person and I was just getting started in activism and like growing my nonprofit and, and also, and also I had like, a billion jobs like I had a nine to five I was a live-in nanny and also working on a nonprofit. so I was just like I was doing just crazy like I would wake up at six take care yeah. of kids take them to school go to my job work till five make the kids dinner put them to bed like not my kids other people's kids uh-huh. um and then you know on the weekends I would work on this this new thing that I was doing. And I was, it was just so exciting. It was an exciting time. There seemed to be hope. I felt like I was able to change. I I was doing something to change the world in a better way. And now, now I feel very different. So when did it, when did the shift start? Uh, It started uh, around COVID is when I think I changed dramatically. That was the most dramatic change, but it had been, I had been slowly, going downhill from the very big like it started there was and that was the peak <laughs> and um i started speaking out i remember it, i i had this speech that did really well in 2015 that was like when a lot of people heard of me mm. um you know as 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 a person i was guess was this and like would, a ted talk or something what was the speech no it was just it was it was just a it was a it was at a conference um at the american humanist association um and they invited me to do a talk and it was like my second like public anything ever um and the audience was huge i was super scared i threw up before the before oh, while the, you were doing the talk <laughs> before that, the that's talk awesome i threw up before the talk um and then threw up after the talk okay um so like it was a nice little people l- should throw up if you throw up in the middle bookmark. of your talk can you imagine <laughs> how radical that would be radical l- honesty l- luckily i kept it down during <laughs> oh God, during the, the but and i was alone and i was you know and i was 23 and i was wow. so scared and i was gonna you know and i was going i, I was i had this like important message uh for people and i, I gave the talk and then a, a couple of months later like i guess Richard Dawkins or somebody or Sam Harris or somebody found it um, somehow and started sharing it. And it was like this, wow, this moment, like I, these heroes of mine are acknowledging me. And, and also uh, there was a lot of positive energy. I was getting a lot of emails and letters and all this stuff from people. Um, And that was, I think that was the peak. And from that point forward, it was just a steady, like, decline (laughs) (laughs) wow it was just it was just um i hate public speaking i can't i i I hate it i hate it um i i'm so i i mean i I, you i should be used to it by now right but because i've I've done enough that i'm that i should be used to it but i i'm not used to it um i i think that i had the what was this? the scariest one was was the American Humanist one actually for me. Um, second scariest was one I did with Sam Harris um, at this enormous auditorium. It was like thousands of people. Yeah. And it was horrifying. Um, <laughs> it was horrifying. It was but horrifying, I'm sure and you I did can't great. believe I did it. Like what were you, I, were you talking about? Was it was just the two of you? Uh, 
him and me and and um, this other guy, David Somali, you, you haven't heard of him. It was supposed to be Ayan Hirsi but she had to cancel for some reason. Oh, um, you weren't filling in second. for Ayan Hirsi That would be I, a nightmare. Can you imagine? I wasn't. It was amazing. It was like yeah. going to be the yeah. the three of us, which was wow. which would have been like an amazing like uh, you know I I was I, I said yes not because I wanted to be there on stage with them, but because I wanted to meet her (laughs) in person (laughs) and I was so excited that I said yes and then I remember I got there and I looked at the size of that audience and I threw up (laughs) yeah it takes a long time it's taken me are you 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 can love it it. I love love it I love it you will I hate going on let me tell you I love going on the radio I love doing podcasts I hate going on tv I suck at it I don't ever really want to do it um, but I love going up on stage. Really? Yeah, I do. There's something when you can like, you know, it doesn't always go great. Obviously, it varies tremendously. But when you can like really kind of lock in and they're laughing and you can. But they're of, never laughing with me. Yeah. So well, see, that's the thing. Gotta, I'm not you funny. You got to get your that, joke. You got to work on your on your on your set. I, sometimes you're not born with it. Then what? You're just not funny. If you're not funny, you're not funny. It's the um, I think you're Sarah. I think you're very funny. <laughs> We we discussed maybe discussing last podcast. It's the OK Cupid blogs, but I think we've been going on for a very long time. Um, and it's a, a it's a it's it's such a fun little blog. I I mm. want to talk about it, but we've been going on. For okay, like maybe we should so, say that for the bonus content. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hear that, guys? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hey, All this right. is what you get. You get the. If, yeah, you, I think I think we've given you a lot <laughs> free subscribers. I think this is quite quite a bit. But if you want more, we're going to do that shortly. Um, do we have anything? Uh, any any final words that you want to say before we wrap up? Anything about your Substack? Oh, any? Yeah, anything? I published a new piece on my Substack. Um, so go check it out. It's about the uh, teacher in Oakville, the uh, trans identifying, I don't know if they actually do identify oh, trans. The it might have been yeah, the buxom, the buxom teacher, blonde the buxom shop teacher. Yes. Um, I have a piece on that. Uh, so you can check it out. It's uh, open for everyone. So you don't have to be a paying subscriber to view it, but you know, you should be a paying subscriber anyway, but okay. So yeah. check it, check that out. Okay. Uh, and I would like to say that my new Substack, uh, it's been, I'm, I'm still getting it underway. Thanks for your patience. I'm going to be posting new writing. I promise. I promise. Uh, but we are going to have our first listener hangout of the uh, new season. And that is going to be on Sunday, October 9th from 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern time. That's available to founding members, the founding member level, uh, and also uh, those of you who are the regulars who've been who back when we were on Patreon who are coming all the time, you guys. Yeah, guys, and this is to clarify this for Megan's other podcast. My, sorry, yes, podcast. sorry, not this one. Sorry, not this one. This is for the unspeakable. Yes, sorry. Yeah. This is for the unspeakable. We're doing unspeakable hangout Sunday, October 9th, uh, for our founding members and also you know who you are, regular subscribers. I mean, old subscribers, OGs from the old hangouts. I sent you an email. You should have gotten it. So um, please come then. It's on the Zoom link. You should you should have it if you uh, if you could look in the right place. Okay, uh, and yeah, we got to do uh, some common listener hangout, don't we? For this, yeah, yeah, we will. Um, 
We'll announce uh, what we're going to do for founding members soon. Uh, now we can now we can on Substack send posts only to founding members. Yeah. So that's really cool. So we might be taking advantage of that. Yes. Oh, okay. Wait. Well. All right, uh, everybody. Well, thank, thank you, you so much. All See right. you in hell. See you in hell. Just remember, there's a special place in hell for women who don't help each other. <laughs> <laughs>